Okay, welcome to the fourth episode of Absolutely Not. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Katrina Stroll. I'm a certified career coach and HR consultant. I created Absolutely Not to give a space to people who are having difficulty setting personal boundaries. I myself have difficulty setting personal boundaries. So I decided to bring all those resources together, record them and have them as a resource for people to view. A boundary is something that is that indicates or fixes a limit. It means it's the end of something. Today, today's episode will be investigating personal boundaries with a mental health professional. That mental health professional is Travis Young. <laughs> Travis is the founder of Forensic Expertise LLC with master's degrees in forensic psychology and forensic medicine. He is currently an opioid fatality review program specialist with the District of Columbia's chief medical examiner's office. Travis. He has over 10 years of experience in conducting clinical trainings, private mental health counselings, substance abuse counseling, career counseling, and discharge planning of the severely mentally ill. Through his business, he hopes to offer insight into the world of forensics and provide teleclinical supervision to future substance abuse counselors. Please help me in giving a warm welcome to Travis Young. Hello, hello everyone. Again, I'm Travis Young. I'm currently a resident here in the District of Columbia, born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia, and I look forward to sharing my insight about the world of uh, mental health when it comes to dealing with your clients. Thank you so much, Travis, for joining me today. Um, if you don't Thank mind, you me. <laughs> Thank you. if you could give us a little overview of your career before we get started. <laughs> sure. So to offer insight into my career, again, my title on paper is long, <laughs> is an opioid fatality review program specialist. So with this particular job, I receive a bunch of medical records of individuals who have passed away from opioids in the District of Columbia. From all of those medical records, I construct a full history report about their treatment, their hospital visits, their arrests, their their treatment services, even the time that they had moments of abstinence um, while receiving services. From there, that report is then presented to the higher ups, or I, could, I guess you could say the, the other federal agencies and district agencies and the private agencies are more than welcome to come as well. We reviewed this decedent's case. And from there, these federal agencies and private agencies come up with recommendations <clears throat> For the district and those recommendations I hope help are there to help reduce opioid usage within the district of Columbia. The second half is me conducting a statistical review. So with the statistical review I basically look at the demographics of what the opioid fatalities look like within that year. So demographics can include the race, uh, the age, the gender of the individual in DC is broken into wards. So we also look at what wards had the highest rate of opioid fatalities. And last but not least, I'm a part-time uh, counselor uh, while I'm a supervisor for this particular uh, job. I'm 
so happy that you are here and your expertise is going to be um, well received by our audience today. And I know it's going to be well received by me. I will warn everyone once again, like I do every episode, I am a crier. Anything can set me off. So I'll cry throughout this episode, but I am going to try to get better at muting myself. So catch me if you don't see me mute myself. But let's get started, Travis. Um, for you as a mental health counselor, do you see, or have you ever worked with clients in setting boundaries specifically at work? Yes, uh, definitely. I can say jumping into the field of counseling can be a little overwhelming, especially when it's your first time and it's your first time working in corrections. Uh, working in corrections is a whole different world within itself. I know for me, when I jumped into the field, especially in corrections, everybody knew my business in corrections. <laughs> but I think that was a defense mechanism of me just being scared and nervous and not knowing what to expect. So the only way I thought that I could engage these clients was just giving them all of me, which is not always healthy <laughs> when you're dealing in the mental health field. Uh, so boundaries is something that I had to learn real quick and early on in my career of counseling. Um, it's not an easy journey, but you, you learn your way through it. You navigate it the best way you know how. And the fact that you're a mental health counselor and even you yourself have difficulty setting boundaries sometimes just goes to show that this is a hard thing to do. It is something that you have to work on every single day. Yeah, it's not something that happens overnight. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Have you ever in your career or with a client ever had difficulty setting those boundaries as far as you set them and then you receive pushback from setting them? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so two examples come to mind. Um, one example in particular is being in corrections, there are a lot of restrictions to what the clients can do and even have. Uh, when I say what they can do, for example, is when we have a guest speaker on the pod or the unit or the facility, the males are not allowed to have their hands in their pockets for obvious reasons, especially if we have a female client. Um, the male clients are not allowed to stand up. They have to just be seated, pay attention to the, young, to the uh, presenter, the woman. They're not allowed to shake the young lady's hands. They even have to watch their distance when engaging the uh, female guest speaker. Females, on the other hand, they kind of are not that difficult. It's more so just the bluntness and the honesty that comes out of their mouth uh, when they're either talking to an officer or if they're engaging a client. Oh, I think you're cute or, you know, you're handsome. It's just kind of like, I hear you. Thank you. But that's not why I'm here. Um, so as far as the pushback, the females, not so much because they take it, they understand it. The men <laughs> sometimes can be a little challenging because they don't understand why. You know, they're like kids sometimes. Why can't I put my hands in my pocket? Why can't I sit down all day? And it's kind of like, yeah, but you just kind of have to be respectful of the young lady that's here on the pod. Again, so that's where the pushback comes from. But over time, they get to see your personality. They get to learn your counseling style. And then they get familiar with the guest speaker and what she also wants as respect from them. The pushback is always going to be there. You just got to learn how to <laughs> work with it, see what areas are compromising and what areas are not. And one of the words you used in your description is respect. 
And I think that's the whole, um, that's the whole idea around boundaries is you respecting me enough to put this in place, to implement this boundary in place and respecting it throughout the duration of our relationship. Whether it's this session, whether it's yeah. a friendship, whether it's lifelong, you need to respect my boundaries. Ooh, Travis, preach to somebody today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you've received pushback before, especially from your clients. Yeah. Have you ever received pushback from a manager or um, somebody in a leadership position of your organization? Yes, and uh, that's actually an excellent question. Again, that's going to be expected in the field of counseling, especially if you're expected, especially when you're new to the field of counseling. Uh, one of the things you're going to see is that you're going to find a supervisor or a manager or just somebody above you who is, who is quick to, you know, make quick demands, regulations, and policies that sometimes your voice is not heard or your voice is overlooked. The hardship with that is sometimes they miss, they miss the opportunity to not only get to know you, but even the client. A prime example was when I, again, first started corrections, I had a supervisor who was regulating my caseload. And what was challenging was this, my supervisor was regulating my caseload, but only meeting my clients maybe one or two times. And I've been engaging in this client for at least two to three months. So I feel like I know a little bit more about this client than you as my supervisor. One thing I've come to realize and learn that works for people in the field of counseling is don't look at your, don't look at your disagreements with your supervisor as a, as a disagreement or an argument. Look at it as a clinical discussion. Because at the end of the day, your goal is to serve, service the client. So in your discussions, if your supervisor wants to do something with your caseload, ask them what is the clinical demands of you doing this with my caseload or doing this specifically with my client. So that right there shows that you're taking initiative. It shows that you are setting that boundary with your supervisor. Yes, I'm new to the field, but respect my voice, respect my opinion, even though I'm new to this field. And that right there helps you and your manager kind of build this better relationship as far as how you want to conduct um, your clinical services with your clients. Oh, there was a lot of messages that I have written down knowledge and trust as the key points I took away from that. You have to trust in the knowledge that you have in yourself. You were there for three months and immediately was like, okay, I know enough now that I would love to have this discussion on how this relationship is gonna look moving forward. Even if you have to go in there with a pen and paper, like, hey, this is the problem that I'm seeing. How can we get to a solution? So I don't feel like this anymore. Um, I always tell people, if you have, if you're having difficulties with a leadership position or a manager, make sure you're coming to them collaboratively instead of just, no, I'm not doing that. And that's not for me. Make sure they know that there's a reason I'm not doing this. It makes me feel this way. And I'm trying to get to a certain solution so we can be productive together. Yes, and again, have your facts, have your receipts. And again, especially in the field of counseling, do not look at it as an argument. Do not look at it as a disagreement because at this point in your career, it's not personal. Mm. Our goal is to have a clinical discussion. How is this going to best serve the client? Mm -hmm. clinical discussion.
Great question. And again, to those individuals who are in here and are new to the field, you may see this as well. Um, your clients may be a little shy or ashamed that the fact that they have that they have a diagnosis. And having a diagnosis or having a, a substance abuse issue or having just a lack of coping skills can be intimidating um, when they're standing next to somebody who may be fully educated or someone who does have better coping skills. Um, you may hear them make comments like, you know, I'm not mentally strong like you. And it's kind of like you don't have to self-disclose things like that because at the end of the day, you still come with a skill set regardless of what your mental disorder is or if you are, you know, in recovery. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to stray away from using substance abuse, but you're an individual in recovery. You still have a skill set. Um, two prime examples. I had a young lady on a caseload who was on the journey of recovery. And every time she had a moment of feeling like withdrawal and anxiety, she would bake. And that baking turned into a career for her. Yeah. Another young man, he suffered from depression. And in those moments of depression, he was spoke with copper wire. That copper wire was then displayed in the art gallery and he was able to make a profit off of that. Um, so never knock your talents, encourage your clients that encourage your clients with that. Do not lock, do not knock your talents because you come with this additional label. You have other labels as well. Father, entrepreneur, uh, uh, entertainer, <laughs> whichever um, title you want to give yourself, but you're more than just your disorder, your diagnosis. Okay, Travis. Um, first, I want to address the chat real quick. Amanda said, wow, that's powerful. Irene, um, these are recorded and they will always live on my um, website. So you can definitely view this later if you need to. Um, but going back to what you said, Travis, that really spoke to me. You are more than just this one label. I myself have um, several mental health disorders. I like to call them conditions. But, um, and because of that, sometimes I push myself back. I say, hey, you can't do that because only normal people can do it. Normal people can do that. Mm. And um, I love that you said you have other, you have other labels to you. I am powerful. I am strong. I am capable. Oh, no. And, and you're, ju you're just as normal. Again, I think people have this falsehood that disorders are not there. They are going to be there. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. You are just as normal. So you just have to figure out your coping skills every day, just like everybody else. <laughs> oh no okay and i hope that's speaking to somebody the way it's speaking to me um coping skills are a real thing people are out there fully functioning and being able to do what they need to do with their disorders at hand um and i i feel like i do it every day are there um any coping skills or um that are general coping skills that people could use out there or um are they very specific to the person so what so I always use the definition of stress, right? And even trauma. Um, stress is a stimulating response to an environment where there's a lack of resources. 
Stress is a stimulated response to an environment where there's a lack of resources. So stress could be a lack of law libraries. It could be a lack of uh, food pantries. It could be a lack of, you know, job opportunities in your city. It could be anything. And because of that, the trauma is then individualized, meaning it's going to affect everybody individually. Trauma, again, is individualized. It's going to affect everybody differently. Some people may cry if they hear of the loss of a family member. Some people may not cry. They may just eat a bunch of food. Trauma is individualized. And because it's individualized, you as the individual have to figure out what best works for you. If you're a person who needs to run a mile a day, run a mile a day. If you're an individual who needs to read a book, read a book. If you like those two previous clients I spoke about, if you need to bake something big, if you need to build copper wire, do that. You as the individual have to figure out what best works for you. And believe it or not, those natural hobbies and skills that you like, they produce, they're in you. You can produce your own natural high of excitement. They're your endorphins, just to get scientific. <laughs> your own natural high with life. You just gotta put in the work to figure out what best works for you. Prayer, if that, that's what you wanna do. Bike riding, if that's for you. If you live in a big city like DC, driving at night is kind of beautiful. Um, pottery classes, gardening, a pet, whatever works for you. You have to discover that. Oh, Travis, this is turning into free therapy and I love it because I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, but what, you said stress comes from a lack of resources. I almost yeah. jumped out of my chair. That makes so much freaking sense. Like, I have never heard that definition before, but an environment where you lack resources, that it's is like, me. That, yeah. is, that explains my life. So again, it could be textbooks. It could be schools, uh, resources. Again, whatever is there a lack of need for that particular city. Think about the food deserts going on in Detroit, Michigan, even the lack of water. That's heavy. That's stressful on those individuals up there. Oh my gosh, Travis. But you also stated that you need to put in the work. So everyone who's in this room right now, I know that this is a scary journey. I know because I'm living it. It is hard to set boundaries when your whole life you have just been compliant and you have just been submissive to what everybody needs for you to do for them. Um, but like Travis said, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the effort to make these changes in your life and to start setting boundaries with other people. Yes, just don't want, just, excuse me, just don't run one mile. Try running two. <laughs> don't just read one chapter of a book and put it down. Try reading two. Keep at something to see if it's for you. Journal, just don't do one journal entry. Schedule a time to do a journal every, uh, let's say Thursday night at six o'clock. <laughs> just schedule time to do a journal for yourself. Listen to a podcast about you know positive things. Do it consistently, not just one time. Oh, Travis, look at you. Um, full disclosure, everyone. Um, I went to high school with Travis, and I am just, I'm so very emotional because look at, he has, oh my gosh, you know what? That's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, it feels good to be reunited with an old friend. I love her so much. Who's doing okay. amazing. 
Okay. Um, so Travis, you you are inspirational. You are vivacious. I learned that word today. Hey. Okay. And, and you, you have encouraged everyone in this room. Could you share with us why you stay in the field that you are in? Uh, sure. Uh, so one particular reason why I stay in this field is because I myself feel like I'm ready to train the next generation of counselors. In counseling, you'll find that you're going through three phases. The first phase where you're like, oh, I love counseling. I want to see all the disorders. <laughs> then you go through the second phase where you see the politics, you see the money, you see the lack of resources, you have the hard uh, supervisors, the hard managers. Um, and you're trying to figure out if even counseling is something that you want to continue to do. Once you get to that third stage of counseling, you realize your place in counseling. That could be you accepting the fact you just want to work with kids. That could be you accepting the fact you just want to work in corrections. It could be you just accepting the fact you want to work with a specific disorder like PTSD. I myself have kind of realized I want to train the next generation of counselors, which I now can do if you are an individual living in Virginia or Pennsylvania. <laughs> I want to train the next generation of counselors. Also, I've kind of realized that there is a lack of African-Americans males in the field of counseling. Um, mental health is predominantly dominated by women. And so a lot of our clients don't get to see black men in a professional way, especially when it comes to doing mental health therapy and services. Um, we have our minor victories, uh, which is a third reason why I stay within the field of uh, counseling. Those minor victories could be you helping a client who was homeless no longer have to deal with homelessness because you found a, a, a shelter for him to go to. A minor victory is helping a client who doesn't really trust Black men and through you, he was able to gain that level of trust again with Black men. Um, one last example is uh, when I first started the field of counseling during the month of February, I will always share a Black history fact or a Black history story to my clients. It was the first time that my uh, clients who were African-American said that they were able to experience something like that, especially in their time of incarceration. So I say it again, those minor victories keep me in there, the lack of black man representation <laughs> in the field of mental health, mental health counseling, as well as just being able to train that next wave of individuals who want to be counselors. Um, Travis, this is the last question I have for you. Are there any tips that you have for new professionals that are coming into the field, whether it be counseling or what have you, um, and they're struggling to set boundaries with people yeah. at their place of work? Do you have any tips for them? Yeah, so three tips in particular. The first tip is you as the individual, again, the individual, you have to acknowledge what flaws you have when it comes to your own boundaries. Ask yourself, do I, do I share too much information? Um, do I not share enough information? Am I not listening? Am I not respectful enough of the client when they're talking? You have to check yourself before you expect to check somebody else, as they say. Secondly, your clients acknowledge what their boundaries are. In corrections, you can't be up close on everybody. You can't shake everybody's hand. You know, you can't always tell a client, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't, don't look that way because they have their rights to feel how they feel within that moment. Um, so again, check yourself. 
acknowledge the clients, you know, their needs as far as bonds. And thirdly, and not least, and I say this humbly and respectfully as possible, you don't have to fit in. There's no need for relatability. It is okay to be the individual. I honestly think one of the hardships is because of social media where a lot of people just put all the information out there and everybody just wants to fit in and relate to everybody that I think is causing us to lose our own individualism, which is the word. Um, so again, it's okay. You don't have to be like everybody. If everybody in the room is talking about their PhD or master's degree, regardless if you have one or not, you don't have to talk about it. Just, I went, I went to school. I'm glad I ain't got to write no more papers. <laughs> that is okay. So to run those three one last time, you acknowledge yourself as far as your boundaries. Two, acknowledge your clients and their boundaries. And three, you don't have to have that relatability. It's okay to be individual. It's okay. I'm sorry. So that last one, number three, is where is where it is. Um, it is okay not to fit in. It is so hard to combat that on a daily basis, especially with social media, especially just networking, assimilation. That is a word. Um, I think that's the reason why we lack a lot of boundaries because so much of our life is exposed through social media that people can walk up to you nowadays and be like, "How's your baby?" <laughs> How did you know? How did you know how to be like what? So that would be killed with social media. <laughs> see, oh my gosh. And see, we're we um this show's supposed to specialize in setting boundaries at work, but these boundaries can be in place anywhere. Well, how much you share on social media, how much you share with people in general. You do not have to tell Larry the cashier at the grocery store, uh, you just had something done with your body parts and that's why you're limping. And, and I say that because that's how it used to be. Every single person used to get the whole book. They only need one page. Maybe some people only need a paragraph or a sentence. But I used yeah. to give people the whole book. So even with, so with that, to my future counselors and those individuals who are counselors, be careful with your social media because the last thing you want to do is be a distraction to your client when they are kind of uh, living their full life and they find a picture of you on Facebook, you know, I won't say inappropriately exposed, but just kind of, you know, bringing up old photos or messages of you <laughs> so be careful with that oh travis this has been oh this has been insightful for me this was a free therapy session and i appreciate it i love free stuff but now <laughs> i will open it up to the floor does anybody have any questions for travis he's a mental health professional we will definitely be able to answer any questions you have for them if you'd like to use the chat or you could come off mute, please let us know. Yes, please ask me a question. I would love to hear from everyone. Hey, Travis, this is Kristen. Uh, first off, thank you so much for sharing your brain with us in the free therapy <laughs> Um So just a quick question for you. Um, you know, how do you determine when it's time for you to move on to a different therapist um maybe because certain boundaries have been overstepped you know how do you normally navigate or recommend that someone have that conversation great question i love that question 
So again, you as the individual, if your gut is telling you that it's time for me to move on, or if your gut is telling you that, you know what, I don't think I'm the best counselor or therapist for this client, I need to make a referral, then do that. That is okay. Again, we have to acknowledge our own mental health while we're dealing with our clients. So we have to make that referral, do it. If we have to, you know, stop our counseling session with somebody, do it. That is okay. You have every right to pick your therapist based off of their race. You have a right to pick your client based off of their, their credentials. You have every right to pick your therapist. If you know what, your, your therapist that you're dealing with is kind of inappropriate or they don't feel like they're not listening to you. It is okay to move on. You listen to your gut. Your gut knows what's best for you. Your health knows what's best for you. Uh, so don't be afraid to make that again referral. Don't be afraid to listen to your gut and, and be that therapist to be like, okay, I need to move on to find me a better therapist. It is okay. Thank you. I hope somebody heard that. Any other questions out there from the crowd? Yes, please guys, ask me anything. Ask me anything. <laughs> I have one question for you, Travis. Okay. okay. So you said that it's okay to leave a, um, a therapist because your gut is telling you. Can we talk more about that gut? What if your gut is telling you this organization is not going to get any better? Yeah. Um, where I'm working at, it's, it's a continuous process and it feels like they're not listening to what I say. Is it okay to leave the organization? <laughs> Yes, it is okay to leave the organization, uh, but do it in a strategic way, as I used to tell my clients. You leave that organization after you saved up enough money to at least cover your bills for a few months. Or if it's in your gut to leave a job, you pay your bills up a couple of months ahead of the time so that when you do leave, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Um, and even when you're leaving that job, you leave using your voice. You let your voices be heard. You voice your concerns as you transition out. Because believe it or not, you may be helping out that organization as you transition out. Because um, again, you know what's best for you. You know what's best for your health. Uh, I would never tell a person just quit a job. I would never do <laughs> But I, I, I truly believe in strategically planning your next move. Mm -hmm. um, I love that you said voice your concerns. I'm still leaving out this uh, yeah, I'm place, <laughs> but I will voice my concerns because this needs to be heard. Yeah, you, you. Ooh, God man. gave you a voice for a reason. I apologize for getting religious, but God gave you a voice for a reason, so definitely you utilize it. Okay, so Kristen said find other employment as well, and I'm I'm sure yes. that's part of the strategy. Make sure that you have your bills paid up and try to start your job search. You, you still got um a paycheck coming in, so you have time to look for that new position. And Amanda said, left, "Oh, I'm sorry. no, I was, I was going to say before I left Virginia, um, I'm not Virginia. It will always be my home. I'm thankful for it. Trained me well, um, but I just wanted a different scenery, and because of that." Before I left Virginia, I made sure I was well credentialed, I was educated, I had money saved, and it just helps make your transition just a little bit more better and easier. Mm. 
And that's all we want is a smooth transition. Well, and what we say stress was lack of resources. The resources. So you don't stressed out if you don't have those resources in place. If you don't have those resources in place. Okay. Amanda said, thank you so much, Travis. I'm learning so much from you. Um, you have an excellent way of explaining things that is both direct and compassionate. People tend to take advantage of my compassion. Ooh, let's talk about taking advantage of somebody's compassion. Yes. Okay. How are boundaries? How would boundaries save me from that? Thank you. Yeah, Amanda, so, yeah and, and thank you. And great question. Um, so again, being in corrections, you kind of have to be a little tough and direct uh, with your clients because they're, I call it tough love. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with telling your clients, I'm proud of you in the moment of them having levels of success. And there's no problem with you telling your client, I don't need you to do that again. <laughs> because we're trying to, you know, have better and be better in our um, in our life. So again, that's just, even though I'm talking about clients incarcerated, that's even clients that you may be doing case management with. You, you have to be honest with them. Uh, I understand you're running away from child support, but instead of running, let's see what resources are available for you. You're a grown man now. So is that that tough love that they're probably not used to having <laughs> because we probably enabled them um, with not allowing them to enabling them by not showing them or teaching them coping skills. We just kind of go along with them having a bad day. But no, you're grown. You're over 20, especially if you're over 25. <laughs> you're grown. You're over 25. There's plenty of resources out here. Uh, so you got to give that tough love. That <laughs> They used to call me, uh, I had so many crazy nicknames working in jail. They used to call me Papa Bear because they already knew. When I walked on the block or if I had a guest coming on the block of the unit, I need y'all to be in lock, jumpsuits on, hands out, spit that gum out, pre-write your questions. If you think your question is inappropriate, I will review it with no problem. Uh, and again, don't be afraid to, you know, ask a question if you do have a question. Uh, so yeah, just that tough love, tough love. And, and one okay. last thing, because therapy, therapy is not supposed to be long-term. It's not supposed to be long-term. Uh, so you gotta be tough with them. You gotta hold them to a standard and that's okay. <laughs> and Amanda, I'll share something um, that I had a meeting this week and somebody shared with me. They said boundaries is the distance from me loving me and me loving you. It's how far, right? I was like, oh, I gotta write that down. But um, that's what a boundary is. If you cannot respect that, then you do not love me enough for me to love you. So um, um, I used to have that snack bowl on my desk. And every time I thought that was love, people taking the snacks out of my thing. And then I would feel it on myself be like, oh, they are taking advantage of my passion. Then you know what, Amanda? One day I just took that snack bowl down. That was not love <laughs> because they never came back. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, people will take advantage of your compassion. Just make sure that you are loving yourself while you're trying to love them. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um that, if and nobody else has any questions for Travis or any comments for Travis, let me see the chat one more time. Amanda said thank you. No, thank you for your question, Amanda. Great. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I'm going to stop.
I just, oh, um, for all of you who weren't here in the beginning, I just want to announce that this specific episode is dedicated to female veterans, specifically the female veterans who attended a networking event where we were told to, where we, where we were told to not be overly sensitive and not to play the victim. Um, both of those phrases are gaslighting and very dismissive of everything that females go through throughout their military career. Um, at the end of this recording, I'm going to ask for donations. Everything that is donated to, at the end of this episode is going to be donated to Minority Veterans of America. They promote the LGBTQ community within the military, as well as female veterans. And to those veterans out there who see this video, thank you for your service. To those veterans in this chat, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I find it can be hard to set boundaries in the workplace because so many white people will look at me and think I'm supposed to clean, clean things up. Travis, do you have a rebuttal to that? Yes. Miss Irene, don't be afraid to tell them that's, if that's not your job, that's not what I'm here to do. And you remind them every time and you stand confidently and boldly when you say that. Let your head be high when you say that to them. That's not my job. That's not what I was hired to do. Yeah, now, I'm, to... I'm using that as a metaphor. I'm not saying they literally asked me to clean oh, okay. up. I'm saying when everybody in your building who's Latino is serving people food and cleaning things up, oh. then for me to come in the workplace and be a peer to somebody is a very difficult situation because I can see in their brain they can't break out of the box they have that's what i'm saying so, so yeah they, they're uh, not literally asking me to clean up okay <laughs> oh okay okay well i'm glad they're not because <laughs> that is not your job uh, and that's one of my favorite phrases to even share with my clients is that is not my job that includes the little stairs that you're getting irene the little um calculations yes. you see them having to click 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 in their brain that yes. is not my job that is not something that has to do with me and every time i see those little calculations happening like oh i wonder who's speaking today it's me uh, those little calculations you don't have to do and I don't have to worry about it because that is not my job those are your issues that you need to unpack on your own with your preferably black therapist yeah when I say we need to bring our personal problem <laughs> I miss that phrase so much <laughs> you gotta work on that yeah, that sounds like a personal problem but Irene to be um serious I do understand it it's completely hard when you are in a room full of faces that don't look like you and you're trying to represent the minority of group just be the representative by yourself and to that I would encourage you you know what that's not even professional for me to say but I would encourage you to find community elsewhere. And I'm sure you do have a community elsewhere. And you definitely have a community here with absolutely not. And just confide in us as much as you can. Yeah. And use that suggestion box at your job if y'all have <laughs> If you got to put some in there every day. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Does anyone have anything else they want to throw in the chat? Any first-time counselors in here? Out of curiosity, <laughs> I don't want to hold you guys too long. 
But you guys asked such great questions. I think so. Okay, if that's, if those are all the questions for Travis.